0: Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down brought to you by KDD Media Company.
1: The only emotion we had, the only bullet in our gun was humor. That's we dealt with it across the board in every situation. And if you do that, if that's what you're going to do, um if you know if you're sad, you're going to, and you're going to make a joke. If you're, you know, stressed out, you're going to make a joke. If you're going to, you know, if you're, you know um, just a little bit happier, you're going to make a, if that's your whole thing, then you are definitely going to, you know, uh, need to mask that kind of be lifestyle um, with, with a substance, you know? And so we drank and because that's, you know, it wasn't natural. We weren't really, we were connecting at a very kind of, you know, surface level. We were close, and we were connected, and we loved our uh, each other's company. But it only went so deep.
0: Inside the fifty-one fifty studios, this is Knocking Doors Down. Your host Jason the Chance with Mikey Naraki. What up? What up? Of course, a background of addiction and some childhood trauma and some other adversities. Got to take those, turn them into advantage, and that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about. And our guest today, Mikey. Tom Farley, baby. That's right. New York Times bestselling author of The Chris Farley Show and brother of Chris Farley. He's now a uh, professional motivational speaker and a nonprofit executive. And uh, we get into the whole Farley background. He has a lot of things to say about his his brother, of course, growing up, his own struggles with alcohol and where that came from. And uh, as we were talking
2: to him, he had just hit two years sober. He just has a direct line to my funny bone. Even (laughs) when he's trying to be serious, I'm just like... (laughs) After talking with
0: him, of course, his other two brothers that are alive are uh, also actors, comedians, uh, hilarious in their own right. And Tom is no different. No, no, he's funny as shit. You'll, you'll hear
2: it. You'll see what we're talking about.
0: Absolutely. It's a great conversation. We do get into the background of uh, Chris Farley's, uh, the book he did on his brother, some fun stories, of course, about his brother, childhood, and also his own struggles with alcoholism, where he thinks that started and what the work he's doing now that means so much to him in uh, helping other people maintain sobriety. And
2: he also tells you how Chris Farley isn't even acting. That's literally how he was. That He wasn't even, like, couldn't have been scripted. That's just how he was. And uh,
0: we're excited to share it with you. He was such a great guy. And of course, we want to thank our sponsor, 5150, 5150LTM.com. If you see in a lot of the videos that Mikey and I post on the social media account for Knocking Doors Down, which you can get those links in the description of the podcast, that we're wearing 5150 gear. And they're all about living the madness, taking on any sort of challenge or that you have turning it into your advantage going out going after goals and well knocking doors down anything before we get into tom farley mikey let's do it
1: tom farley how are you good sir oh i'm doing great yeah it just you know hearing uh just here in wisconsin just you know
2: chilling out and Hating all you guys in California. (laughs) It's getting a little chilly for us. I think it was like 56 this morning. I was freezing my ass off. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Yeah, man. Uh,
0: So, Tom, uh, of course, uh, you know, as we've let people know, your brother to – to Chris Farley and, uh, well, you got other siblings too, which I kind of want to get into no. the, to the, the, the family order, uh, which, which always interests me when I start to learn more about people and what, what the family was like. But, um, let, let people know a little bit about what you're doing now though. You're doing some motivational uh, speaking and, um, you know, you've got a book out there.
3: Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. No, I got it. What a journey I've had, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, COVID really, you know, had, it got me doing two things that I really resisted my entire life. Um, got me exercising <laughs> so, just cause I had to get out of the house. So I just started going out for walks, sure. you know, mm-hmm. listening to a book on tape and just kind of chilling out cause I had to, I was going nuts. So like, I realized like, yeah, it, it takes a pandemic to get the Farley to actually break a sweat. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I did that, and then I actually went out and I actually got a job. I'm like, okay, I got to do something. So I, but I'm working for you know like the United Way here in Wisconsin, um, uh, just because it's it's community, it's it's nonprofit, it's it's kind of really builds on my passions. So those are you know. So I started to do those two things, and um, and then because uh, I, I thought, oh, my speaking business is just kind of that's it's gone, but. I really have spent so much more time, not that it's like a, like, you know, for, for any, um, there are no events or anything like that, but I've just been like doing a lot of podcasts, doing a lot of webinars, just getting the word out there just on recovery. Cause you know, um, man, we're going to see just a a tidal wave when this is over because people have just been isolating and I don't think we've even seen the tip of the iceberg yet. And so, um preparing for that understanding that and preparing for it i've just been you know just kind of doing my own little kind of media blitz and just kind of just you know making sure that the people are having the conversations so that's why i appreciate you guys you know doing this as well yeah yeah
0: Yeah, absolutely and no i i agree because if uh you know, with my own recovery that I've seen so many people that have, have fallen off, uh, people that I know. I mean, even, uh, you know, Dak Shepard had come out and spoken about where he had, had relapsed. And uh, yeah, this, uh, this isolation shit is crazy because, uh, you know, as we talk and, and I'm sure, y- you know, you more long term uh, in recovery than myself, but, uh, you know, using is the opposite of connectivity and this going into isolation has
1: made it even worse uh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. We'll, we'll get into this, you know, I I, but yeah, honestly, um, tomorrow I've got in recovery, I've got two years.
2: Oh, nice. Awesome. Congratulations. It's,
1: yeah. And, but it, but it's interesting. Like I've had periods in my life, you know, after Chris, you know, I, and I started doing the foundation work, you know, where I was sober, I had little kids and I'm like, yeah, I don't want them to growing up like this. So I stopped drinking and my, um, my threshold there is like four or five years. Sure. Uh, just white knuckling it. I'm like, I can, I can do this on my own for about four or five years. And then I come back like a champ. You know, there's something that, cause I'm not, not doing the work. Right. So I, and I did this like two or three times in my life. I'm like, and then like two years ago, I'm like, okay, I didn't, I started thinking the same way again. I'm like, all right, time to really kind of, you know, uh, get back to this. And, but this time I'm like, but let's not, let's not go through this again and uh i i started you know I started doing the work and started going to meetings and started and wow it just made all the difference so i mean like this last 2 years has just been truly amazing for me yeah because it's because i did it differently i did it the right way and i and I, I don't i don't think um if i didn't have a year under my belt before covid um i i don't know where i'd be you know I needed a, I needed a run, running start to get a
2: you know. <laughs> so.
0: yeah, good momentum.
2: So with this yeah. uh, motivational speaking, Tom, have you, is there any light at the end of the tunnel or have they talked about getting that back going or is that still just kind of on hold due to the pandemic and all that?
1: Um. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I just, you know, as I said, the, the event stopped and then it, there was kind of like, well, now what do we do? Right. So. I have just, um, and it really kind of, it was kind of refocused, you know, myself, myself and my, and my, um, kind of what, what I, what I talk about, but, um, you know, for me because of the COVID because of the isolation, it, you know, it, I didn't want to just go to like a community or like, let's say a healthcare conference and, and talk to, you know, preach, preaching to the choir. Mm -hmm. What's really been interesting about this is um, I've had opportunities to speak, just speak to the general public uh, uh, openly and honestly about my story and and Chris's story. And um, that just feels so much better. I don't know if I'll, you know, um, ever, you know, have, um, uh, maybe maybe it'll translate into into you know more opportunities later on, but in the meantime, it wasn't really about you know a business or a you know a, a plan or anything. It was just it felt right to get out and talk and 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 give and provide you know shed a hope you know some hope and light for others you know and that's mm. yeah you know that's part of my recovery too you know so yeah that's what I needed to
0: do yeah and it really it, it puts a lot of uh in and into the stigma and the shame and a lot of those things that us addicts carry. And, and when we can put that out there and let people know, it's okay. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to see, you know, to, to sit in a room and, and ask for help. And, um, you know, again, it's all about that connectivity. Well, I want to, I want to know what the, the Farley family was, was like growing up. I, I, I just really? I, it was a, that's something that definitely fascinates me. You know, it's a, there's three boys and you
1: have a sister, right? Right now, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Barbara's the oldest, and then there were four of us. Oh, okay. You know, it's it was it's really funny. Um, you know, for years, I have uh, mm-hmm. always described our growing up and our family's like, oh, it was a real circus. You know, that was an easy analogy. It's like, yeah, we're a circus. <sighs> but then I'm like, just recently, literally, like, you know, a couple weeks ago, I, I really kind of, uh, kind of uh, did a deeper dive into that analogy. It's like, oh my God, it really was a circus. I mean, all the players are there, and I looked and I just started like kind of putting everyone in their place and like, so here's here's the Farley family, here's the family, the, 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 here's here's what's going on under the big top. Big top is, um, you know, Christopher was the elephant, and I don't mean that. In, you know, pun intended. Like Christopher was that he was the main attraction. He was the big, you know, like. That's what everyone came to see the, 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 the elephant, what's he going to do? Oh my God. He's, he's, he's balancing on a ball, oh, you know, he's up on his hind legs. He's up on his hind legs. You know, uh, that was Chris. And, uh, and he was just in the center and uh, my, my two brothers, Kevin and Johnny, who are actors, you know, also, and. So they're, they're 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 the clowns that come out of the little tiny car and uh, and start throwing pies at each other. You know they were just there for the laughs and they're really great and funny and but they're they, you know they you know energize the crowd. Um, I I because you know I was the only one that studied. I'd like to dress. I was the one in the middle. I was I was the ringmaster with you know the nice you know uh, red tuxedo coat on and the big top hat in the middle of the ring, thinking that it was everything was evolving around him that he was the center of attention and it couldn't have been farther from the truth like 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 this guy thinks he's like the guy no it was totally took me years to realize that i was just a bit player um and my sister barb you know she was just she was the trooper i mean she just she was the one that would come out every night smile on her face dressed really nice and uh she would get sawed in half <laughs> she, she was the one, and then the next night, same. There's Barb smiling and like we saw her in half. She got so every time, every, every. always came, bounced back with a big smile on her face. And uh, you know, my dad, he was the barker outside the tent. He loved just whipping us all into a frenzy and like, you know, step right up, Gimp, come on in, you know, see, see the, you know, see the bearded lady, you know. It was that, he was constantly you know talking the family up and just being this this cheerleader and, and just getting and then just making sure that we we're all totally riled up he, he's totally he totally like orchestrated all of that and then you know finally you know there's my mother she was up on the high trapeze you know you know getting all the oohs and ahs and she everyone oh look at the beautiful lady on the top. and she was just up there going what is going on down there just totally trying to stay away from it all like good god what is that like just trying to stay above it all and but you know everyone oh there's marianne she's still you know she still shines that way she's still the star but she's you know she's she's not coming down so that's the problem that's the the family and, and you know and it was just crazy. And you know? I was the one, you know, I had to share a bedroom with Chris.
2: So it was brutal. You know? So was it as I funny just, to you? As it, it wasn't as funny as to you as no it was way. to us. <laughs> I, was <saying>. I literally
1: <laughs> spent my life just like telling all my friends to stop laughing at him. It's like, oh my God, did you see your brother do this? It's like, shut up. Just don't encourage him. Don't like, encourage like, him. like, don't do that. He's not funny. And, you know, because I, I was just, I felt his whole. You know, reason to be on Earth was to just annoy me. That <laughs> you know, was crazy. Uh. Um, but you know, the, the funny thing is, is because the fact that Chris was never acting his entire mm-hmm. life, he was just being himself. So when he became, you know. A celebrity and famous and I'm doing all, everyone loved him. It was doing the same stuff that we did in our family. Some of the stuff that wasn't even his, it was my dad's or some like, holy shnikes. My, my dad's line. <laughs> really. My dad's line. And now when, and we all grew up saying it, all of us like, holy shnikes. And the, now when I say it, it's like, Oh, it's your brother said that. I'm like, no, <laughs> not copying anyone. My dad, maybe, but yeah. Um But then, yeah, like, Oh man. He was just like, like we'd go to bed and uh, he would not go to sleep. I think he was afraid of the dark. So he wanted to like talk all night. And it was literally, I used to call him Mr. Question because I knew I had to like go through all these questions before I got to bed. And it was like, you know, Tommy, remember that movie we just saw? I'm like, yeah, we just turned the TV off, dude. He goes, "That, that was pretty scary." I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, well, what, what would you rather be like, trapped in a in a in a small in a room with Frankenstein or the Wolfman? I'm like, uh, I don't know, Frankenstein, because I get out, you know, run. I run faster. No, no, know it's a real small room. I'm like, okay, the Wolfman, because then like he'd catch me and it'd be over with. Well, no, he'd bite you and you'd be a werewolf. I'm like would you just shut up (laughs) and then like 20 years later he's doing the same thing with paul
2: mccartney
1: i I swear i was just
2: telling him that i said you know what we should mess with tom and then right when he comes on we should be like you you remember you remember when you played with the beatles (laughs) you just do the whole saturday night live skit um
1: yeah that's he's not even like that's not scripted that's what I grew up with. Oh my God! Can I tell you a funny story about that? Please, please. Oh my God! This was so bad. Um, <laughs> so uh, this was after college. You know, we're in. You know, well, as it was about ten years after college. Chris was on SNL, and a buddy of mine was getting married. And I lived in New York, and so did Chris. And so we lived in New York. And uh, buddy of mine from college was getting married. So everyone came into the city for uh, for um, the bachelor party. And uh, so we all meet that afternoon. The plan was let's meet for lunch, you know, do what we have to do, go home to our hotels or apartments, sleep that off, sleep lunch off, and then let's, you know, have the nice dinner and do whatever. And so we were at that point where we were met for dinner, all like getting excited for the night, you know, having you know a bunch of beers. And, you know, just when I had just, to, you know, with everyone else was, all right, we broke up and everyone's going to to their, you know, to sleep it off for the afternoon and i go to two of my buddies and i'm like let's go see chris which is always good after you've had a couple of beers <laughs> let's go up to snl f- screw with his you know job um so we go up there and uh chris ah oh, he's always so nice to especially your friends and stuff say like, yeah hey good to see you man yeah let me show you around so he's showing us around you know studio eight h this is saturday afternoon so the show's going on in hours And uh, maybe it was Friday. It could have been Friday. So anyway, um, we're walking by this, like, closed, like, room. And behind the door, we hear this, hey, Jude. Like, practicing on the piano. I'm like, not moving till that door opens. I'm like, I'm staying right here. Uh And, like, five minutes later, the door opens. And there he is. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but again, I, I've, you know, I've been drinking, you know, and this is kind of, you know, me be, thinking I'm funny. Thank you, alcohol. Well, all right. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, you know, Chris, uh, Paul is my brother, Tommy, and he looks at me, he looked dead out and he goes, ah the serious one i got me one of them too oh (laughs) Oh, okay it's on gauntlet's been thrown i'm like hey paul yeah good to see you man hey just you know um just remember this is like man this is snl this could really make your career (laughs) and he's like oh yeah okay you know and uh um and my buddy goes yeah just you know it's tv a little grecian formula maybe and you're and chris goes ah, that's all right and i was like <laughs> literally you know, dragged up on my ear and uh it, it was like like what are you doing looking at me like what are you doing you know you're, you're messing with a beetle <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he just never let me forget that you forget that it was just like um the, the funny thing is like later that night we had a nice steak dinner and then there's always some goofball. It's just, oh, let's go to a script club. I'm like, eh, I'm not into that stuff, but I'm like, all right. So we go to this place in New York called Scores, which is kind of an upscale, and they've got TVs everywhere. And so I'm just like um, watching the New York Ranger game. Hockey was on. I'm like, I'm watching the Ranger game. All this stuff's going on around me. I just really didn't care. And this lady comes up to me and she goes, my buddies say it was the greatest line they've ever heard because they, they all stopped and looked. This lady's like, you want to dance? And I was so annoyed. I just hollered to her, like, ma'am, I just spent the afternoon with Paul McCartney. You waving your chest in front of me is not going to make this day go any better for me. I, <laughs> I think I said tits, but
3: anyway.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, and she goes, oh, he walked
2: away. And we like, Jesus, Farley. Well, I, I like, I'm watching
1: the Ranger game.
2: <laughs> Oh, shit. I would, have think yeah. she'd, or I would have thought she would have been all over you more like, ooh, this guy knows Paul McCartney. Yeah. Well, probably not. She probably
1: like, you know, what an ass. i like, well, of <laughs> course you didn't spend the afternoon with Paul McCartney. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> but, but I, I did. did. Little do when you know. And I insulted him. I insulted him. <laughs> it's oh, a
2: bummer right. that his career didn't really take off too much after Saturday Night Live, too. There was so much hope. <laughs> there was so much hope.
0: Yeah, yeah. Had all the skills and all the talent. Just, just didn't come to fruition.
1: <laughs> It's what was really weird is I'm walk. we're walking, Chris is walking us very briskly to the elevator and, uh, and I had been up to, to you know, uh, 30 rocks so many times. Um But just as we go through the elevator, I, I walked through this like box kind of thing. And it like, kind of like that didn't see. it just seemed out of place. It seemed weird. And I'm like, Whoa, like, what is that? And Chris goes, ah, it's a metal detector. And I was like, when did that get put in? It's like, Paul insists on it because, you know, New York hasn't been very kind to Beatles. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that kind of sobered me up. Like, yikes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Tom, it sounds like you had a really, even though a circus, but very loving family. Was any sort of substance abuse present when you guys were kids? Because, I mean, it just sounds like your family was just this fun, wild, energetic and loving uh, group.
1: Yeah, it was (laughs) I used to, I, I, back then, I used to, I, I described it as, it was definitely, it was Freud's workshop. There's no question. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, first of all, it was and I, and people ask me like, you know, one of the, one of the, you know, standard questions is like, when did you, you know, see Chris's having a, an issue? It's like, we didn't, we lived in Wisconsin. We, we live in Wisconsin. Right. That behavior is so normative out here that you don't notice somebody's got any sort of, You know, substance issue tell it's 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 dug in deep. Sure. Because that's just what everyone does. Um and still is to this day. It's why I'm out doing what I do because it's I love the state and I love the culture and the history. And but you know, we're it's gonna we're gonna ruin it if we don't get this drinking culture under our belt. But that's what it was like, and you know, and and we were Irish. You know, all the cliches, sure. uh, but we we clung to those. You know, we you know, it was a big part of our celebrations. You know, food, and uh, and drink, mm-hmm. and I think it's just you know, the only emotion we had, the only bullet in our gun was humor. Mm-hmm. That's, we dealt with it across the board, in every situation, and if you do that, if that's what you're going to do. Um, if, you know, if you're sad, you're going to, and you're going to make a joke. If you're, you know, stressed out, you're going to make a joke. If you're going to, you know, if you're, you know, um, just a little bit happy, you're going to make a, if that's your whole thing, then you are definitely going to, you know, uh, need to mask that kind of be lifestyle, um, with, with a substance, you know? So we drank and because that's, you know, it wasn't a natural, we weren't really, we were connecting at a very kind of, you know, surface level. We were close and we were connected and we loved our uh, each other's company, but it only went so deep. Right. right? You know, yeah. and that's that that's, and we all knew it and we all had a problem, you know? And so I think that's, you know, yeah. And there's other things as well, but you know, that was a big one.
0: Yeah. Oh, I couldn't. I, yeah, I was uh, really curious about that. I kind of f- figured that maybe it's it's all we had a gentleman on who was a, a Boston um, native and, and you see it kind of systemic within communities. And uh, my it, mom's it, from Boston. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So well, I got it from both sides. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's weird how it's systemic and kind of, like you said, ingrained within the culture of a community or a state, you know, so to speak. I mean. It, it, uh, uh, you know it's like
1: wisconsin cheese and beer uh, you know well that's why we have a big problem now with a you know the, the recurring spikes in covid because you know part our, our economy you know is is held up by you know you know taverns and you know and and, and that you know every it, it was like it's like the it's like the uh, the pubs in ireland that's where every community's got like you go down main small town wisconsin and you know there's your one post office, there's your one grocery store, then there's your five taverns. Mm-hmm. You know, it's on Main Street. So, um, you know, when we started to open up the economy, that's what our economy is. And everyone just flooded back into um, uh, the taverns. So and now, you know, we're,
2: we're, we're in the red zone again.
1: You know, we're. Wow. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: Did you, so you were sober now and are did your brothers, aside from Chris and your sister as well, did they all have their issues with substance as well or was it not? So um,
1: my sister was the worst. Oh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, being um, sawed in half her entire life. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, it's interesting. Um Uh, my mother was the first one to really identify this as a family problem. So she's been sober for, you know, 25 years, like before Chris, oh, wow. yeah. and she's been amazing. She, I, you know, I've always, I took so much strength from just watching her over the years mm-hmm. in this huge drinking family. She was the one like, I'm, I'm doing this. And, um, and then one by one, even when Chris was live, we all kind of like stopped, you know, uh, um, you know, and then we all—my three brothers and I—mostly we can We've come back, and for, we've done the, the what I've just described. I did in my life, and um, now we are all um, all you know sober at the same time. Which oh, awesome. just man, it just feels so good. Sure. My sister never really had a problem. You know, and I talk about this a lot. It's it's um, it's interesting. We all grew up in the same culture, same DNA, but it's like if you if you took everyone. On earth and fed them the exact same way and made them exercise the exact same way, you would still end up with everyone's di- has a different body, sure. Yeah, yeah, there's no getting around that. Mm-hmm. And so that was our family, like all we all kind of had the same kind of dealt the same cards, but uh, um, my sister Barbara Ann never had a problem, mm-hmm. uh, me, Kevin, and Johnny you know kind of struggled with it and we knew that you know it just we shouldn't and and then and then chris had an enormous you know it was just you know he had he had it you know in spades you know it's just uh, so
2: well and given his stardom too i can imagine that his probably was worse because he was you know in the snl life and the movies and all that so it was just being handed to him i'm assuming everywhere and anywhere he went no, yeah, even, here.
1: even, even in some of his stints in, uh, in treatment in rehab. Yeah. Wow. wow. Damn. Yeah. Nurses would like, you know, smoke stuff into him.
2: Yeah. No, really? Oh, oh yeah. Wow.
1: You know, you go to detox and, you know, he'd like, you know, I mean, you know, Chris was like, you know, um, I, yeah, it just, you, you, you know, he just had that personality like, you know. Give me some drugs. Okay. I mean, you know, sad, but yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and I would think like you were talking about with your family and only handling it with humor that uh, any of us that use, you know, we're trying to mask some stuff or escape some things and not really confront and deal with them that, that, you know, uh, Chris being just so so damn over the top and and always on and always himself that that, uh, being any other mode – Uh, Much like with substance abuse, you know, we had spoken with um, Edward Furlong, you know, was in Terminator 2, where he he was talking about not being able to go out without having three tall screwdrivers, uh, because he didn't really know who else he was
1: otherwise, other than playing a character or the user. Well, I I talk about that, you know, now in recovery, I I talk about this in meetings too. It's like, yeah, everyone's got that mask, and like... um, you know, I got so tired. I, I, I for, for, for 20 years, I've never been Tom Farley. I've been Tom Farley. Chris was Farley's brother. I mean, it just, right, it's, yeah. it just goes hand in hand. And that's, that's fine. I don't mind that. Cause it, yeah, I, I'm, I'm doing a lot of good, but, I, but I, I'm like, that's, that's who I was. And that's why I, you know, I, I think part of the reason why I really needed to, to um, deaden that mm-hmm. feeling, you know, um, because I, you know, like, and I'm like Chris, I'm a pleaser. You know, I like, I love the crowds. I love the, you know, Adelaide. I love the, you know, and, but to play on their terms to be that person that they want me to be was had, had a toll Yeah. It just, and just like I did for Chris. And so now in recovery for the first time I get to like, you know, really find out who that is, who that person is. You know, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I stopped being the person everyone else wants me to be, but now I got to find out, okay, well, okay well, who am i <laughs> you know um that's it's amazing that i've gotten to this 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 part of my life this this stage of my life is, you know uh not knowing that you know but um part of the beauty uh and fun of recovery is that it, that 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 discovery you know yeah. um it's a it's a it's a it's a starts out as a, as a mystery and i'm i'm a curious guy so okay let's see where this see where this takes me yeah well i can relate all too well
0: you know because i'm now uh, 42 and it's like i don't even know who the hell i am what hell am, you know i know i'm a father and uh, you know i know i you know my two kids single dad but it's really trying to figure out shit that i want to do it's like uh, lately i've just i've always wanted to try that i'm gonna do that
1: you know the funny, the worst thing about it is though. <laughs> I'm so programmed and so you know triggered you know, wired up that um, <laughs> the 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 shit that goes on in my head, you know, like con still constantly and like somebody will say something, and my brother Johnny is the same way. I all my brothers the same way. What if people knew what was going on in my head? You know, it, b- before I didn't have filters. So I would just say those things and sometimes they're really funny and sometimes people are like, God, what an ass. Uh,
2: so <laughs> an now, Unedited learning- podcast. So go ahead, say whatever you want. Tom. <laughs> oh, oh, you've just opened up a world of possibilities <laughs> for me. Um,
1: so now it's like I've, I've, I'm, I'm applying those filters externally, but they're all still up there in my right. head. Uh, so I'm just like constantly like, don't say it, don't say it, don't do it. Don't say it. Um uh be you know because because that was always that kind of kind of i was very very as they say very codependent on that behavior on that you know being funny guy. so i'm like i'm trying to like table that so i can really figure out you know who i am
0: you know yeah yeah and and it really is hard because you know part of how we self-identify oftentimes is by our interpersonal interactions and and stuff like that so when you make a lot of these big changes and you know other people haven't changed but then you know you're yeah. acting different around them and they're like "Well, what's wrong it's like not shit's not wrong I'm just I'm making personal changes
1: yeah yeah, yeah exactly um, left the left the uh, the uh, red nose and floppy shoes at home today sorry yeah. yeah
0: yeah and it's it's that becoming okay with it and and being confident in it, which is such a a huge struggle. I I have yet to meet any former addict that was just like, yep, once I stopped using, my confidence was through the roof. And it's like, no, it takes so long to kind of rebuild or build in general.
1: Well, it's just really – and it's really neat to like, you know, when when people like, you know, see those glimpses of the person you're trying to show them, you know, um, yeah, it's like, wow, they – uh, they get me they are that's awesome I never have to, I, I never got to feel that way before
2: because mm-hmm. yeah.
1: it was all just you know you know bullshit. it was all like you know the, the character I was playing yeah
2: well and like you were saying leaving the red nose and big shoes at home i can't imagine just being a Farley you know and it, yeah. everybody just expecting oh you're make me laugh say something funny you know what well, i mean and all the time just, oh you're yeah. a
1: comedian yeah. like I'm not, I know. I <laughs> it's I just,
2: like, you're I, not always on. Sometimes I just want to chill, you know, and <laughs> it doesn't need yeah. to be a joke all the time. Sometimes it can be, you know, but sometimes I just want to just enjoy oh, my coffee just, and
1: read the paper in peace. <laughs> like Going through life, and maybe it's a good thing, but like going through like, I, you know, I, 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 that was always the 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 shadow over me is like I'm Chris Farley's brother, so I can't like in an airport when everyone else gets to scream at the ticket lady that bumped them off the plane, I'm like going, hey, that's cool, like you know, oh, Mr. Farley, yeah, that's great, because because if if I you know screamed or reacted like everyone else, people are like going, oh, you tell me that's Chris's brother? There's no way he's a dick. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I I always had that kind of feeling that that I I had to you know, behave a certain way. Otherwise people won't, you know, um, you know, it's like, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm screwing up the brand.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can imagine that. That's what it'd be like. You know, if Jason or myself were to scream at it, I would just be a, you know, typical guy with <laughs> neck just, tattoos acting like an asshole at the airport, you know, but you're a Farley. You're not allowed to act like that. You're you're, to, yeah. <laughs> everyone's like,
1: you know, as we, as we used to describe Chris, he was our wind-up toy. Right. You know, he, we, we just wind him up and set him into the end the bars when we were in college and just watch the fun ensue, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then when he passed away, it's like, I guess I'm the toy now. I'm like, I, all right. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so when um, Chris was more near at his end, how did the family come together and, and how did you guys really cope after his passing?
1: Uh, good question. I, I would say, um, you know, again, right after, you know, typical Irish, you know, kind of wake kind of thing, we we uh, drank and joked around, you know, until you know, we figured out, you know, how we were going to kind of do this. And I, you know, for me, uh, I needed to um, – I, I needed there to be, you know, uh, some – you know, legacy I needed to, you know, so I, I, started really shortly after like a year later, going into schools and, and talking to kids, you mm-hmm. know, I, I needed to do that. And, um, you know, unfortunately my two brothers, they were actually in the business. So they, you know, they had to struggle with that, particularly Kevin, who looks a lot like Chris, yeah, Right. you yeah. know, he had to like really kind of figure out what kind, he could have easily gone down the, you know, just, you know, uh, Chris Farley 2.0 road. And, um, so he's, and he still struggles with that, you know, uh, trying to be his own, you know, actor comedian, whatever. I didn't, luckily I didn't have to do that. So my, my response was, um, uh, you know, getting in front of people was what was interesting is being the only non actor in the family, um, to go out on a stage and talk to groups if that was, it was kind of like, all right, this is my this is my opportunity to, you know, I'm not going to be in front of a camera. But like I, my, that, like I, I, I understood that that whole audience and that need for affirmation. And and I just I, I, I started thriving on it. And now I'm like, um, I talk about it all the time. It's it's uh, um, you know, I talk about how unnatural it is to get up and talk in front of people. I mean, no one's, you know, the, but people are good at it. Mm-hmm. And I, and what I tell people in my motivational speaking role is um, uh, you have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And that's all it is for me to go up on stage. I'm still just as nervous and just as it's, it's still, you know, not comfortable for me, but I've gotten so comfortable with it. And in doing that, I've gotten really good at being in front of people. I, I still like, oh, God, I got to get a freaking speech, but I get out there and I just like, I just, you know, I feel like I'm kind of, you know, well you know, it's, and it's something that Chris White got into, you know, acting is, it's that, it's that connection, the ability to connect with people. If you can do that, you know, as a speaker. And I just, it's funny. I, and I, I used my brothers who all went through second city and improv. I used That's, that's my, that's my secret weapon is this yeah. improv just I'm just gonna do it just unscripted. I, I remember sitting at a, a gala event I was the keynote speaker and I'm sitting with these people I didn't know these people. I'm sitting at the dinner table and and this I'm getting introduced and this lady who I've been talking to all night, and she goes, "Oh, you' you're the speaker. Oh yeah, I'm gonna speak in about time in two minutes. She goes, well what are, you, what are you gonna talk about? And I go, no idea. <laughs> I have no that's ah, funny like really it's like literally there is nothing in my head right now it's like what are you gonna it's like i'm just kind of taking it in the audience and i'm just gonna you know see what happens <clears throat> and it's just it's gold man it's just it's uh i don't know it's just a farley gift who knows but it's <laughs> uh just love perform just getting in front of people and performing is just you, you just know.
2: got it in you you just you just yeah. have it yeah uh.
1: Well, was there any things
0: that you guys had to do as kids as far as getting up in front of people? I mean, obviously, you know, you three of your brothers pursued acting. You did. You did not. But um, like, you know, I always think Irish families, oh, that, you know, the kids are involved at church or something like that. And they're they're up in front of. We folks were
1: or, we were all my mom wanted us out of the house um, as much as possible. So we were we were thrown into every team, every activity, you know. All that so All mostly sports related. We no one has it did any sort of acting, you know, growing up except for all the boys. We were all sent to summer camp all summer long. Seven weeks, all boys, you know, my yeah. sister went to all girls. Up up north of camp. And um it was just being thrown in with all these kids from all different places. Um, and we were always kind of like outside our comfort zone. That like 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 we were never in like this this, this, this group of, you know, we're total comfort. We were always, you know um, you know, we lived in, in, in one village in a village in, outside out next to Madison, but we were sent to the Catholic schools, like on the other side of town. So we were never with our neighborhood kids or we spent all summer, you know, up away from, you know, our, our neighbor, friends and neighbors, we would go up to camp and have to deal with brand new people every year. And so it was just that kind of like, Um, And we were always changing schools. Um, uh, um, So.
0: Always changing schools because your folks changed them or were you guys getting kicked out?
1: All the above. (laughs) Um, Yeah. My sister literally was the only one that got all the way straight through. Dad was always kind of changing it up. I mean, you know. um, uh, Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I flunked fourth grade. So I had to go to a different school. So uh, yeah, we were—I don't know—we were literally all of us except for my sister had like at least five schools in K through eight. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Um, oh, so knows. we were always kind of like you know chaining up, and 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 we always had to come into a new group, and you know we loved we loved friendships. We loved you know uh, you know we weren't loners, mm-hmm. so we had to find a way to immediately kind of be the center of attention. I don't Just kind of be there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I can tell it's definitely worked because like how you were saying, um, beforehand, you know, the bullet in your guys's gun was comedy. That's, that's what it always was. And even just talking about your guys's childhood is having us dying. And there's a picture that I keep focusing on behind you. That's Chris and, uh, he's got the crown on or whatever. And it's just, it's just makes me, you know, just smile. Like, because it's just like, you guys just, you're so damn funny. All of you, you know, what I mean? like we'll be talking I about saw that. I saw that it, uh,
1: on Instagram, this artist drew it. She's a, she, uh, she's a band up in Oakland. Uh-huh. It's a kind of like a little punk garage band uh, called uh, uh, Shannon and the clams. And she's an artist too. And, and I saw, and she posted, I'm like, that's the best. That's that, that's it. That's yeah. it. So I, I'm like, send me a print. I'm going to buy a print. And I, you know, she sent me like three or four. So I, I got a bunch and I'm like, it's the coolest
2: thing that and is. So, yeah, yeah, I'm looking at that and just giggling. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like it's just, yeah. you guys have it, man. You guys have it. It's awesome. It's comedy. There's nothing wrong with having that loaded up in your chamber. You know, that well, works for everybody.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, my dad was just such a great listener. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he could go into, you know, any group. And just like, he just knew people, he just connected. And he, right. he taught us that like, you need to connect, you need to understand people. And that's, we, that's the first thing we do is, is, and, and to build other people up, you know, with, you know, Chris, man, he loved telling jokes and making people laugh, but you know, when, when you said a joke, he would laugh 10 times harder and just kind of like even if it wasn't a joke the fact that you tried to make Chris Farley laugh or make you know the fact that you just tried to create humor in the same way he was doing it, it like just he loved that yeah and he made yeah. me feel like a king when he <laughs> laughed at your joke man it, you know uh, it was great although like again growing up I never did <laughs> I never did laugh. well his jokes were so mean, there were there were so well done that like you couldn't stay mad at him there isn't like a teacher parent you know coach that just couldn't like he would disrupt things all the time and the coach would get so mad or the parent or the teacher like god you know damn farley and then all of a sudden they realized like what he actually did and they're like oh man like really <laughs> like oh man oh i remember like one time we were uh we were um uh we were altar boys <laughs> and, uh, so my dad managed to be at altar boys and uh we were up there and, and of course the 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 worst thing about being an altar boy for us with Farley's is we have severe ADD so like <laughs> we'd be up there looking out into the audience you know whatever it's called and uh trying to find friends from high school and, and goof friends just kind of like lock eyes and goof around but not paying attention to the mass and I remember one Easter Sunday, there's like five priests on the altar, including the bishop. And we're up there, and we're goofing around, and I like, totally lost track of the time. And there's, there was one part in the Catholic Mass where I had to ring a bell mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was my job. I was the oldest. And so I'm just kind of looking around, and all of a sudden I hear next to me, Tommy, Tommy. I'm like, oh, crap. And I read the bell, and I start ringing it, and every priest like just stops, looks at me like, what the fuck? What <laughs> And it was like five minutes before I was supposed to. And all I hear next to me is, <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> like, just totally set me up. Like, what a dick. And, and then I'm like, so mad. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I would tell that to my friend. I'm like, oh, my God, that's the funniest thing. Like, you tell me you wouldn't do it. I'm like, yeah, okay shit that was funny god damn it, damn it. <laughs> you couldn't stay mad at him because it was just so because it was harmless didn't harm anybody sure yeah. sure <laughs> but it was just god he knew how to just manipulate you or just say something funny at the wrong time and it was just and it was uh and it was always just to like calm you know you know at that point we were like you know on the altar we were, you know dressed up and something. We were stressed out. We we had all these other emotions and Chris just brought it all back to, let's just be funny. Okay. Let's laugh. Yeah.
2: I still use some of those lines, man. We'll be in LA or on, you know, business in Hollywood or something. And we'll see a Lamborghini drive by. And I'm like, Oh, he must play for the Yankees or (laughs) something (laughs) like that. You know what I mean? It's just always used some way or the other in life.
1: (sighs) Oh God. That's one of my father my, my, you know, uh you know, <laughs> you know we always we were we I grew up we we sailed. We had a sailboat and we we, we would sail and I was a sailing instructor at camp and I was saying my dad's favorite line was, you know, he would put us out in the all right, go on your boat, guys, but quit playing with your dinghy. <laughs> that was nice line. It was totally dad's line. Quit playing
2: with your dinghy and then put, <laughs> throws it into Tommy Boy and it's like, yeah. you know, go. I just pictured him on the boat by himself. Hey, Dad, if you can give me some wind, it'd be cool. If not, <laughs> it's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Oh, oh that's gosh. funny shit. Just, make, still making us laugh to this day. Still making us laugh. I love it. Tom, what were
0: uh, when you first started to get out there speaking, what were some of the uh, surprises you kind of encountered
1: as far as people's response uh, to, to what you were what you were doing and sharing? Uh, and... It wasn't just response. Well, first of all, here's what I did. Um, I I started out going into like high schools and health classes, mm-hmm. and wanted to, and I went out with this lady. I, I lived in Connecticut. And I went out with this lady whose son had died of a heroin overdose, and this was and and so you know, you know her you know method was to you know, um, it was very emotional, a lot of tears as a mother you know naturally would have. Um, and the message was, don't do what my son did, make better choices. And it was just that kind of thing. And I just kind of went, wow, that was really uncomfortable for me. Because as I said, I'm Irish. I, I bury all, of, you know, I wasn't going to go there. Right. right. So I had to figure out something else. And I looked at my, um, my brothers who were all improv trained. And I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, go in and teach kids how to uh, do improv, how to communicate better as a group. Uh, how to how to create peer enhanced environments, not peer pressured environments, and um, and it was great because you know substance abuse prevent and prevention is all taught in schools, which is great. But you know schools are information based, so that's right. educational, and like that's great. But there's at some point you gotta you gotta stop doing that, or you know or at, at the same time you gotta give them a tool to use that information. Yeah. And for me that was communication. So I started doing. I, started, I learned improv. I took a class at Second City, and I and I went out and did that in this, you know, with this messaging. And um, God, it's some I remember going to the small school in, um, in in central Wisconsin, about like 150 kids in the whole you know school. And I used to teach them these improv improv through these games. And so I said, all right, we're going to tell a story one word at a time I need one volunteer and we're gonna tell a story one word at a time we're we're gonna be one person and the great thing about you know a, a good story has a has a conflict because it's adds drama and everything but you you have to resolve it mm-hmm. so our conflict is we got an F on our report card and um we've got to tell our parents so i go give me a volunteer and this kid's hand just shoots up and I'm thinking okay the enthusiastic kid i I had to share a bedroom with one of those. All right. Yeah. Come on
0: down.
1: <laughs> so I said, come on down. And I see every teacher in the auditorium just kind of go, Ooh. And I'm like, I got this, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I go, all right, here we go. we got to tell a story. We're telling our parents about our F and our report card. And I go, mom. And he goes, dad, and I go, I have something to tell you. So we're going back and forth one word at a time and just kind of doing the yes. And he had to accept everything I said. And I had to do a fact. And I started to, um, he would say a word that had a net natural you know, follow-up word, but I wouldn't go there. I would say something completely different. And he would get, you huh. get frustrated. <laughs> and then he started to do it to me. Because I was teaching, you have to accept it. And then I had to do the same. So he would do, I would say a word and he would say something different. I'm like, okay, you get it. <laughs> and we resolved the, the the problem that the F didn't stand for failure, the F stood for fantastic.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And everyone claps and everything. And I go into the uh, cafeteria afterwards and sat down with some of the teachers after the the event. And I'm like, hey, man, what was the reaction to that kid? He was great. Uh, you know, he was great. He was fine. And everyone clapped. It was great. And the teachers go, you don't understand. That's one of the most autistic kids we have in the school. Oh, my God. oh wow. What you, just, what you just did, his peers will never look at him the same again. And that self-esteem that you just allowed him to feel, he may never have that again, but I guarantee you they said he'll never forget it. And I went, wait, what did I do? I'm like, I just wasn't prepared for that. Wow. And he goes, and she goes, you, you're going to leave the school now, but you've changed us. And that was the moment where I'm like, okay, this is bigger than I ever I ever thought. Right. And so, you know, it's those kind of things, you know, I, I did the same thing down in Illinois once with an school program. And I did the exact same thing. I would give me a volunteer and this girl in the front row hand raised up. I could see that she had some sort of developmental, you know, uh, issue going on and um, emotional stuff. And I said, come on up. And we, and we did it. We did the same drill, same story even. And she started struggling and we, we got through it. But what she she was pausing, and she didn't. You know, it was. It was just. It was an uncomfortable place for her. But I was accepting everything. I was doing all I could to like. You got it. And at one point, her aide, and she always, she always had an aide with her. Apparently, her aide started walking up to the stage, and I went, "Hold on, we got this." And the aide stopped, and as soon as I did that, this girl, who probably for the first time in her life was doing something without this assistance of somebody and she just kind of delivered, you know, she's like, okay, I gave her this. I don't know. It was just like, you mean I can do this without this aid? I'm like, yeah. Cause nothing, there's no denying, there's nothing wrong with what we're going to do. And it was just, and everyone saw that they go, Oh my God. I, you know, I thought, you know, you were definitely going to like try to get bailed out here. I'm like, no, no, this is improv, man. We're, we're going to, accept everything and it was so yeah i just i just experienced those kind of things and i knew um that's chris you know if anything like personified you know chris's kind of soul and the kind of person he was it was those moments through me that i was i was kind of understanding chris now because i was experiencing these things as he would have and uh so you know it really was um you know it it wasn't really how i was transforming people it was it was how i was being transformed at the same time as just as much as anything else so Mm -hmm. it
0: It definitely sounds like it was very cathartic
1: it totally was you know and it's just uh yeah so just you know um kind of teaching people that that improv stuff is just it's been really kind of neat you know just Mm -hmm. Yeah. That gave,
0: um, hey, my son's on the spectrum that gave me chills when you were talking about that. So it was,
1: that's, that's awesome. It's just, yeah. Letting people, you know, it's just like imagine when you start accepting you know, accepting that yes. And, and, and being heard and, and connecting uh, the, 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 what happens after that um, is, is amazing. And, you know, and we're not used to seeing that. And when we see it, it's like, Holy crap. That's what we've been like, you know, you know, avoiding, you know, or, or not letting people, ex- you know, experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's really cool stuff. Yeah. That's Incredibly incredible.
0: powerful. So what was your process like for when you uh, sat down to, to put together your book?
1: Oh yeah. That, that's a great story. Yeah. It, it's interesting. I, um, I was living in New York. It was right after Chris died. And it dawned on me like we're doing just what we're doing right now. Yeah. Man, you were the funniest guy in the room just telling Chris Farley stories. You know, yeah. friends, people who worked with to this day, remember when he did this? Or did you hear what he did last night? It was, there was always, you know, oh my God, unbelievable stuff. And I'm, I'm like, people, if they loved his body of work, they don't even know, like, just what came behind it. You know, Chris on his own was because he was always that guy. And I thought, what a great book to get these stories um, pulled together. And so I shopped it around to a bunch of uh, um, publishers in New York. And they said, yeah, that's great. But, you know, we want the, you know, we want the whole story. We want the good, the bad and the ugly. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And I wasn't ready to do that. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And instead I went out and did this foundation work and started going into schools. And about 10 years later, I'm like, okay, I'm comfortable with Chris's story and telling it, you know, in all you know, all facets, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I'm, I, you know, because that I find there's, there's, there's relevance and meaning and message in, in all of those pieces. So I, I, I uh, shopped around and um, uh, found a, a guy that had just done the same kind of a, you know, talking to friends and interviews, a, a book with Belushi and he actually huh. approached me and said, you know, I've talked a lot, a lot with, you know, the overlap is amazing. There's so many, you know, of the same people at Second City and SNL and, and in Hollywood. So let's do the same thing with Chris. And his was more of a kind of a coffee table book, a lot of pictures and stuff. We actually, like, did a lot more interviewing and, 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 and dug a little deeper mm-hmm. um, because I allowed it to go there. And I said to people that wanted to talk at that time, um, uh, yeah, you know, be honest and some people weren't ready to talk like sandler's not in my book sure because he just wasn't there but he got there Mm -hmm. if you've heard the the song that he did you know a couple years ago on snl man he got there it was there he just you know when i wrote the book he just wasn't ready then but uh yeah and he did it in his own way with his you know uh with his song and it and it's just uh man i'm glad that's uh that's part of Chris's legacy now too. Cause it's, yeah. it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Well, who are some of the, the folks that were included in your book that, that were willing to talk? Um, well,
1: we made Spade. We, you know,
2: I was going to yeah. say David, David Spade had <laughs> to be in there, right? Yeah.
1: Well, we, you know, we made him, you know, we, you yeah, he, yeah. he, I think he said no at first, like,
2: he's, shut up, David. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? No, Bring, get over here. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: So, um, you know, Dave. Uh, just uh, like a lot, of what was really cool is it, like Al Franken was great. You know, a lot of the 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 perfect people that were in SNL, particularly, um, uh, that saw Chris in the, you know from the backside. You know, from the you know the writing or this and those kind of stories were really neat. Um, uh, um, and then just like as I said, every facet <clears throat> of his life from growing up to camp to you know some of our camp friends and uh um like the the, you know second city i mean he was there with like you know timmy meadows was there from with from the start Mm -hmm. you know joel murray you know joel murray bill's little brother you know uh was there at the start uh it just had great insights and um and then you know the people in hollywood you know like um so what was really neat to me is um all these different people from that, that intersected with Chris at different parts of his life all kind of told the same story. It's like, yeah, that's Chris. They got they got it, yeah. you know. And for me, um, you know, if I wrote a book based on my experience of my story with Chris, it would have been completely different.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, it would have been through my eyes. And I'm glad people got to see Chris through all these eyes, and that's the truer picture. And on the same token, as I like to say, I I've got a better relationship with my brother now because of the book after he died than I ever did when he was alive. Mm-hmm. Cause I get it, you know, and you know, whereas I thought all these years that he was just trying to annoy me. <laughs> really, it, 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 the funny thing is, is Chris was this guy known for all these characters. Uh, and yet he was just being himself.
2: Right. I love and that. Here I love hearing that.
1: I was um, this guy who had all these expectations and I, and you know, I was trying to play this, you know, caricature, you know, this, this, this person, you know, I worked on wall street. So I had to, I went to Georgetown. So I had to be this, you know, locked up, you know, serious business guy. And I think all these years, Chris was just like, Tom, you just be yourself, man. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't until I, you know, got back to Wisconsin and my roots and my values and, and Chris died and I wrote this book and I'm all, it's like, shit that's what he like was doing all this time
2: yeah
1: i still think he was trying to annoy me but <laughs> a deeper message a deeper message was you know just you know just chill out and yeah. it's you know and he, and he was right
0: yeah yeah if we could all just uh, have that be in the moment kind of mentality
1: right oh yeah well he, chris was a little too much in the moment <laughs> yeah right. but that's but, uh, but 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 you're right the world we're all wearing this mask you know um
0: yeah I'm most certainly guilty how did your siblings and, and your mom take the book were they supportive
1: yeah my the whole family yeah it it um it took a while i don't think um you know um they're dealing with that grief in a different way you know sure. mine is to talk and open about it and all all of it because it's it's a healing process for me sure hopefully yeah. I, I thought it would be for everyone but now i think yeah, i had some uncles and and stuff that I just you know why did you know You know, because I talked about my dad and his health issues, and um, and and kind of the way he handled, you know, you know, Chris, you know, for right or wrong, and uh, they just didn't like that level of honesty, and Mm. because you know, I mean, that's you know, again, we're a drinking family, Mm -hmm. and what comes, what comes with that, a lot of BS, right? A lot of, a lot of bullshit, a lot of, you know, um, and 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 long before I got into recovery, this was kind of the first. Um, uh, um, kind of think th- th- It was my first experience with what I've come to really cling to and a big, what is a big part of my recovery is that rigorous honesty. Yeah. And, uh, I think there's a lot of people like, you know, close, close up family that just can't do that. They can't be there and, and it's hard. They, you know, some, some don't have the clarity that makes that happen and just some just don't want to go there but that rigorous honesty for the first time in my life being able to walk that walk is liberating right and i I first felt that with the book and that's why i never apologized for it because that's that was part of it was part of my recovery as anything else was sure yeah yeah Yeah. well and you've
0: gone it taken all of that all this adversity and You know, not just your, you know, your individual experience, but that as a family and then losing a loved one near and dear to to substance abuse to go out and inspire folks, reach out to the youth, let them know that, hey, they don't have to continue to walk that path of what was before them.
1: Yeah. And you know what I love um, more than anything is um, that's all I'm doing is just telling that story and being open and honest about it. I'm not, I'm not saying this is how you got to do it. This is what you should do. You know, this is, you know, these are the, you know, I'm just like, Hey, this is my story. And if uh, more people need to do that, Mm -hmm. like, Hey man, this is my story. And if anything, if you can get anything out of that and I'm just trying to be as authentic and, 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 and honest as I can be about myself, um, you know, take what you can, but I think, man, we need more of it. We have, you know,
0: yeah, I know yeah. that was the intent that uh, Carlos Vieira with the Knockin' Doors Down book of what, what his intent was. And uh, all my coworkers know that uh, me being dyslexic, I'm definitely not a writer or or <laughs> of high profile. So, you know, he gave uh, me and then the, when Mike came on board this opportunity to reach out and speak with folks and even share parts of our stories just to, for that connectivity, let people know they're not alone. Sure, experiences are different, but you're not alone.
1: Yeah, nobody's here for your story, man. It's on me. <laughs> <laughs> this He's is focused. true. Yeah, shut up, Jason. <laughs> Damn it, Jason.
0: <laughs> oh, <my> uh, <laughs> Tom, if people <laughs> want, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I got my balls busted by the f- by Farley over here. Oh
1: yeah, Go yeah, that's a great story. Okay, now back to me. Um, <laughs> God, <anyway. yeah. laughs>
0: oh, oh shit. I'm- I'm- <laughs> are you happy Mike? Really? farley busting my balls here i love it tom keep it
1: going uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, your, your story probably has a lot more pictures than mine but anyway uh, um, no but but what you're but you're to your point to be honest i mean what you're doing is just we need more of this we need more of this and i'm i thank you for the um this because it's it's so needed i you know i Gosh, you know, and we're gonna we're gonna see like more people went into COVID, you know, kind of managing and being okay, but they're gonna come out with like a just a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, you
1: know, and yeah, um, uh, he, yeah. I mean, so you know, we're, we're gonna have to deal with that, and and I think you know this is one of the best ways to do that is to be is is to talk about it. So hopefully, this encouraged more people to do that, but.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. There's um, there's a lot of parents that I talk to who are worried for their kids' sake, you know, that it's going to affect their mental health because they're not around other kids, you know? They're just locked in, we're independent, no school, you know, no nothing, so they're just at home all the time. Their
0: activities, I know for yeah. me you know, it's the the fact I had sports that I did with my friends was kind of the only thing that kept me going to high school you know, and trying to yeah. do decent so I can and so there's, you know, these kids and their future opportunities and stuff that you know, there is no acting going on, there is no sports, there is no whatever it is, there's no chess club there's no, you know, those things that, that, that we have. What was that? that? I said chess club. You don't know what the chess club. is? I'm, I do. I, I, I've I've heard stories. I'm just trying to point out everybody's got their their shit they're into. That.
1: So if it's chess, then that's what gets you to school. Cool. That's true. That is true. Um, but you know the flip side. You know, I always look for the you know the flip side of everything. Um, actually, that's that's a lie. I don't. <laughs> um, what's cool? What I've what I've really noticed, and again, per, you know personally, and I I just think the opportunities. That 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 COVID has allowed us. I mean, I'm going to like meetings in Illinois. Sure, mm-hmm. you know, I'm because because it, it was it's it's a different group, of different people. I I only know like two people, but it's a different conversation uh, that I need to have that I don't have in my home group. And so uh, the telehealth, you know, all of a sudden it's legitimized. You know, care, you know, insurance carriers are now paying for that. And so um, I was on a, a call. Uh, it was actually a, um, a suicide prevention uh, group in, in Ohio that a friend of mine runs, and he was telling like in school, you know, when somebody was having a, a, a mental health crisis and would run from the room, that teacher, you know, couldn't do anything really about it because they had to stay in the room and manage, you know, the other students. So that kid would run out, and we they didn't know. But now online you know, they've got to check in. I they know exactly where they're, this person they're checking in from home. This is where they are. So if they have a crisis, that teacher can immediately say, this is where the kid is. He needs help get there. Right. Now. It's just a little, those little things that I think, um, are, you know, the, you know, and, and, and kind of managing both those things, addiction and mental health together. Yeah. There's, you know, there's, there's, there's good things happening too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there definitely is, uh, in this adverse situation a lot of opportunity to see what you know societally or even just as individuals of what needs are not being met and how can we do that and push forward
1: yeah and, and you know it's and just like just walking in that first time you know in a just you know i you remember like walking into the basement of a church and like all these strangers and like go okay welcome share i'm like i'm freaking not sharing it. what are you <laughs> yeah. talking about i don't mind you know like i don't mind that i i'll get on and I used to do the improv. I used to go to a teen group and it was funny to me because they would, there's these kids that, that came from different high schools and they even were in different grades. You had seniors with freshmen and they're in this kind of group and they're, were, they were having tough time, like getting these kids to be open and honest and share and stuff like that. So uh, I knew the, the, the woman that ran this, this program. And I'm like, let me come in there and do improv with them just kind of open up because improv like recovery is based on trust. You have to yeah. trust and you have to, you have to be an ensemble. You got to come together. And like, you can't just naturally just do that. Especially if you're going to talk about, you know, a, a substance abuse issue that you have or mental health issues. So I would do this with this group and all of a sudden I would build trust. I would build like the, I would start building the ensemble and then i would leave and like now you can share now you can do your meeting and talk about your issues because i've, I've created that that connection
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's great and
1: yeah And uh, tom uh how can people find the book you know i guess i amazon you know again um i uh it was always one of those things that I, I didn't have to self-publish it you know i had a good good publisher with viking press and and random house. So, you know, that, you know, you can get it there, but you know, I just never had to worry about, you know, sales or anything like yeah. that. Like, yeah, a basement, you know, here you go. <laughs> so literally, And because of that though, you know, I get, I, I got all my books on Amazon. So I think I was the only one buying them for the longest time. Because I would go to events and people were like, you know, can, are you going to bring some books? I'm like, okay, yeah. We'll just give them away. And, uh, but I was buying them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. So, so yeah, I guess Amazon. There's still some the 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 paperbacks are still out there, and they're you know it's good. And, you know it's really cool. Like, but a couple years after it came out, maybe five six years ago, BuzzFeed came out with a list of like fifteen like must read books for new young teens in recovery, and that was one of them. Oh nice! I'll be dead I'm like wow, and I never thought of that. It's like yeah, it's like. Chris is really that that's he's speaking to that group yeah. and it's in it's an honest, you know, here's his trajectory. And 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 so I was really honored that they would name it that, yeah. uh, you know, it was it, that it was actually good for people, young kids in recovery. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, that is.
0: Well, uh, Mr. Farley, we would like to uh, do some rapid questions uh, before we wrap things up. So are All you right. ready? Good, sir. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, what is something about you that people would be surprised to learn?
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm actually smart. <laughs> you know, I, like I studied. I went to Georgetown. I mean, like and people are like, "Oh, he's so funny." I'm like, "I really that wasn't what I that wasn't the card I was kind of you know hoping to deal first. Um I don't know um, what don't you know what then? I, I would think yeah, I'm just not some goofball. I mean, I don't know what. So um, you were saying you went into you were in finance. I was always kind of in marketing, but I was marketing in, a, in banks, you mm-hmm. know, I did a lot, and I did some sales, which I just hated, you know, wow. I just hated, you know, selling something, you know, and it's funny, one of the, my brother Kevin's jokes is like, you know, because like my dad was an entrepreneur and he was a salesman. It's like, well, you should be a salesman like your dad. It's like my dad was not a salesman. He's, he had an asphalt company. You know, road paint. You know, like uh-huh, uh-huh. you don't have to sell asphalt. You either want it or you don't. <laughs> it kind of sells <laughs>
2: itself, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like it wasn't salesman. He <laughs> took people out to dinner and you know, lunch and and just had a good time with them and like, you know, sign here. Yeah, it was <laughs>
4: That's
2: funny. All right, Tom. What are some of your pet peeves?
1: Um, I guess um, pet peeves is um, I just uh, maybe. Um, right now it's just like kind of just dishonest, you just kind of bullshit just um, um just um I you know my pet peeves are like, um um you're yeah, yeah, just doing it, uh, there's a lot of things I get frustrated with pet peeves. Um,
2: they kind of have to happen for you to acknowledge them. Like, oh, that, yep, and that, and that. That's how it is for me typically. I'm like, I can't really think of any, but then life happens, and I'm like, oh, I can't. That's one of my pet peeves, something
1: like that. Well, you know, it's 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 funny. I, I you know, I came, I I moved back to Wisconsin from New York,
2: uh-huh.
1: so like I was like a maniac on the streets. I was a New York driver in Wisconsin. <laughs> sure it was tough and so I was aggressive as hell I was like you know jockeying constantly jockeying stuff like that and so uh, and part of my recovery is to just chill the fuck out <laughs> I literally put myself in the slow lane as a kind of a like now you're going to sit here and people are going to pass you and you're going to like it and <laughs> I, I, I don't like it, we'll like, I, it. I um, like start speeding up I'm like da, 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 take it down a notch so it's that. It's just uh, trying to trying to maintain, you know, my, my <laughs> yeah uh, uh, on the road when people are just driving like maniacs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why?
1: I love that. I answer the same way every single time: uh, invisibility. And why is that? Oh, invisibility, but, uh, because you know, it just it just. um it's just to hear what people are doing or just to be unseen because maybe because I am so visible. I'm like, I walk in and I'm like, I, you know, everyone, Oh, there's Tom. I mean, it's just like, and the word spreads, you know, it's not even, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it's just to be invisible and just kind of see what happens. Just be able to uh, um, view life from that invisibility standpoint. Uh, gives you kind of opportunities, but uh, you know, not being invisible which some of us, you know, aren't, um, uh, you know, you always have to be, you're always putting on a show and, you know, I'm trying not to do that. Right. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, just to be, you know, just totally relaxed. No one can see me.
0: Uh, and get a, get a different yeah. level of honesty out of people.
1: Totally. And not, not only that, but you know, I, 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 can't exactly buy off the rack anymore. So, you know, <laughs> I, well, to be to be able to not to just shed myself and just totally be, be free. <laughs> I would be naked. I would be invisible, but naked. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: shoot. Um, if you could have dinner with anybody in the whole world tonight or tomorrow night, no pandemic, who would it be?
1: Uh alive, you know, obviously. Um uh wow. Um You know, I—that's a good question. You know, I—you know, kind of a kind of stupid, easy answer. I would say probably uh, President Obama, just because I just—you know—it's just one of those like, let's just talk, man. Yeah, 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 for sure. I just like you know, just he's a cool cat. He'd be a good conversationalist, cool guy. Yeah, yeah, just hang, you know, and uh, and you know, he's just so cool when he's relaxed you know you, you get those little snippets of it and i want to be part of that yeah, yeah. Just, and then but but talk about stuff at a very high level i love the intelligence yeah i love being intelligent people but relaxed intelligent people yeah. sure he's that guy yeah i could see that
2: absolutely tom
1: good to meet you nice to You're good, sir. Sit down and have a beer. It's like, eh, club soda. (laughs) Club soda.
2: Club
0: soda. Hey, you're speaking my language people go out. I thought you don't drink. It's just club soda with the lime. It tricks everybody. Absolutely. Go up, tell the bartenders that are friends, club soda. Anybody tries to buy
1: me a drink, just add it to your tip jar. I hate it when they give it to me in the plastic glass. It's like, (laughs) God damn it. Put it in the pint. Yeah, you son of a bitch! Like, uh, the, it's, it's the one that the ones that say Pepsi on the side? Right, I'm like, I'm soda, sir. It's like, thanks. Oh uh, uh, shit! Um, who do you think was
0: your biggest inspiration or um or a mentor in life or or one inspiration or mentor that stands out for you?
1: Um, I you know I used to have all these answers down on just like a. I've kind of forgotten, like you, you like have me talking about myself the entire time. Then, um, uh, an inspiration. Um, God, I, you know, I want to say Chris, but that would just like make him, you know, like, happy. <laughs> 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 so, uh, um, uh, I do learn, I do get a lot from him. Uh, but um i don't know i just you know i guess you know you know probably by, you know my um i, I, I would say probably my, my my grandfather on my mother's side you know Um, Because he's just had so many qualities, you know, um, Joe Crosby and Chris was uh, Chris Crosby Farley. So Joe Crosby, my mom, my mom's dad was this, you know, typical Boston, you know, from Southie Boston, you know, um, and uh, and um, he was this great, you know, athlete. He played football at Harvard and he he wasn't smart. He just played football, you know, he got into play football. And Mm -hmm. uh, but he had all these and he was just everyone loved him. And he was just like, and he just never said a bad word about anybody. And I don't know how you do that. That's to me is just, an, just superhuman <laughs> to be able to always be positive and saying nice. I've tried my whole life and I'm trying so hard right now to be that person, but man, I could talk shit about some, it's so easy to, <laughs> to go down that road.
2: Same.
4: And
1: so I just always looked at him like he was always just like whistling and happy and fun and. Um funny and uh Chris and I loved the man. You know, he was j and all my brothers he, he just was one of these guys that just was is just so cool, so neat. Right,
2: yeah, right. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So if they were to make a movie about you today, who would you want to play you and why?
1: <clears throat> wow. Um uh who would I want me to play? Who who let's see. Um, well, let's go down my fat actor kind of category. See, Jonah Hill. Um, uh, um, I, you know, I I guess I would, you know, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know, it's it's kind of not age appropriate anymore because he's older than me, but you know, Bill Murray always had kind of that same the qualities I always liked, you know, Love he was Bill always Murray. kind of
2: smart, Love you know, Murray.
1: he was smart and he worked off people and he always had this kind of smart ass remark. And that was me. Yeah. I was always the, um, uh, that's why did, you know, David and I, from the start, David Spade and I, like as soon as I met him, there was like kind of this, like, you know, you know, kind of, you know, testing moment, like, you know, I don't know, this is my straight guy. You know, Chris is, you know, I'm, you know, Chris, is my guy to make fun of not yours and because i the whole life my whole life i grew up with me being playing the david spade role Mm. with chris yeah and he works so well with that you know guy that thinks he knows everything and you know he's totally not in control at all (laughs) so uh, but you know murray it just you know he was just kind of our he was just you know just that smart ass you know yeah funny guy one of
0: the greats absolutely yeah well Tom, uh one more here. Um what do you think is your greatest achievement?
1: Um I don't think I've even come close to that yet. Um um my greatest achievement? All right, you know, honestly, um um oh, I'm going to have a lot to say tonight in my meeting. Um so
0: <sighs> Um, so these two bastards interviewed me and now it's got me
1: thinking all yeah, time. Yeah. I'm like, I, I, yeah, I need some, I need a little one-on-one, um, I you know, um, nice achievement. You know, I, I, I guess I, I love my kids. I got three kids that, that are amazing. Um, and I, you know, but I, I don't call it an achievement because, um, whatever they do, they do themselves you know Fair i now. didn't do it you know I, and I, you know my son is actually leaving chicago in a month to move to la to fi- follow his dream you know he, he's he's the next farley in the in the in the queue oh nice ways. yeah he's been he's done some second city work and um and uh he said oh I, you know we can save up money and go to la and um you know his, one of his uncles and and i Kind of supportive. It's like, why wait? It's COVID. Like, go, man. Yeah. You know, make it happen. Get out there and just do it. If it, if nothing's happening in Chicago, what's the difference? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: True. <laughs> yeah. Could be. So,
1: um, you know, my kids and just watching them. You know, I got one, you know, daughter in New York that, that is just in fashion, getting. Yeah, you know, she's just doing well stuff. And and another daughter of mine that is hugely inspirational. She's moved to New York next week um and uh it, yeah again that's not my achievement because i just love watching what they do but it's um you know i guess i had something to
2: do with it I don't know. <laughs> well in your book making the top 15 must read books too that's that's quite an achievement as well right
1: yeah but that's not really my achievement it's just telling chris's story i mean right. it's, i mean i love going sure. out and 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 what i've done with it uh yeah that that's you know i, I love what i've how I've kind of um, uh, worked Chris's story into something positive. Mm-hmm. But again, that's, that's, I don't know. I guess it's, it's Chris's threads. You know, Chris has done a lot of the heavy lifting there too. Sure. So um, yeah, I'm just kind of, um, kind of waiting for the next, you know, I I, I don't know. I'm still looking. Yeah. So, Well,
0: that's a good attitude to have though
1: still still yeah yeah,
0: Tom, is there anything that uh, you'd like to share with the listeners uh, as far as any of those that are you know just entering recovery or going through recovery or maybe they're being tempted during this time as well as possibly those that have lost a loved one to addiction um,
1: I think you know uh, to me just don't lose connection don't don't ever lose. You know, connection to to good people or or anybody that you can you know talk talk to and and um uh you know that that's you know as I said it's a disease of isolation and now we're in isolation so don't it it's doubled down so you 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 gotta um you know flip that around as often and as quickly as you can and find connection and you know what it's there for everyone you you know sometimes you just don't you, you doesn't it's not you know, it's not so obvious, and you get frustrated because I'm not connecting with it, but it's there. I and mean, mm-hmm. you gotta keep looking, you gotta find it, and you will you know you'll you'll feel it when it, it, there's that connection and and the more you look for that connection, the more I think you realize what a bad connection is, yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. realize kind of like, wow, you know what? These were my friends. I called these my friends. They're not, you know, like I got to, you know, I got to search for something like that works for me, Mm -hmm. not for them. Mm -hmm. And it's all of a sudden the balance starts to come back into your life because it's, you're, you're off kilter. And so finding that um, connection is, 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 you know, number one thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely
2: anything else mikey no i just wanted to thank you for your time tom this was good i appreciate you Real uh cool. taking time to speak with us
1: this was fun you guys got a yeah good this was a good good vibe good good thing going uh um yeah hopefully like i'll get out there uh, you know visit my son sometime and we you know we, we can all
2: be in person someday.
1: yeah <laughs> get a cup
2: of coffee club soda with a lime yeah. something like that absolutely totally that-
0: uh, we'd love that. And hopefully once this stuff starts opening up, you know, one of our goals is, is kind of along the lines, of what you're doing is, is is bringing folks to come in and share their stories with youth and groups and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, fingers crossed prayers that, uh, that you know, we get on the other side of this COVID stuff, you know, yeah. if not this year, by early next year, and we can come out and, and actually speak with people in person. So.
1: That'd be cool. Yeah.
0: All right, Mr. Farley. Well, we thank you very much for your time. Awesome. Good to see you guys. You we'll too. see you soon. You too. All right.
3: Knocking doors down. Real people, real stories, real life. Real discussions of life struggles, including addiction, relationships, finances, and more. But even more importantly, living with them, overcoming them, and conquering them. Celebrities, experts, and everyday people talk about how they were able to break through whatever life handed them by knocking doors down. New podcast episodes are available every Thursday. Subscribe now on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, or at kddmediacompany.com. (laughs) <laughs> I'm still laughing. Tom Farley, man.
2: Oh, uh, what a great dude. Do you have any idea how hard it was for me to not make nothing but Chris Farley references the entire time? I know. I was trying so... Because, you know, he's heard it a million times and I was just so hard to just not do it, yeah. <laughs> but, you know... What are you gonna do? I
0: found the most interesting thing where Tom was talking about coming into sobriety and and not being because of the Farley name and known that they are hilarious mm-hmm. um, and he's hilarious, mm-hmm. but that he was you know finding his own identity and wasn't gonna be a people pleaser and it's kind of a neat part of his journey as he's hit two years sober, you know had some windows in there like he said he'd go four or five years but was never working the steps you know was white knuckling it and right. Then, you know, would kind of fall off or whatever. So it's it's pretty cool to hear that. Uh, you know that that it's it's encouraging for anyone that that's seeking sobriety or you have a family member or whatever it is. And then as your personality starts to develop more and more and gaining confidence, and it's a really great conversation. Awesome guy.
2: Well, and it's got to be hard for him too because, like he was saying, you're a Farley, and if people know who you are, which the majority of the world does unless you've been living under a rock and don't know who the Farleys are. Sure. But, like, you have to – you always wear that funny hat, or so they expect you to. Yeah. You're never just – if you're in a blah mood and you want to go out and get a burger or something, people – hey, you're you're Chris Farley's brother or something. It's just like, yeah, yeah, I am. It's like, oh, that guy was kind of a dick. It's, it's, but you're a human, dude. Yeah. You're not always in the mood, like he said, I left my clown nose and big shoes at home today you know and yeah. that's got to be that's got to be rough so i can't even imagine what he was going through during that yeah
0: absolutely well if you want uh, more on uh, tom farley we do follow him on social media or you can check the podcast description and get all of the links there and of course uh, more information on the book the chris farley show that he wrote looking forward to checking that out yeah. cuz You know, you got former cast members of Saturday Night Live, Friends of Chris's, and stuff like that. So it's uh, really cool stuff. Anything else you'd like to add, Mr. Naraki? That will do, pig. And don't forget to click the link in the description for Carlos Vieira's book and his autobiography, Knocking Doors Down. On that note, keep knocking doors down. Talk to you next week.
4: suggestions or correction of errors.